Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. It's, uh, it's great to be back with you. Thank you so much for inviting me back. That's always a great encouragement. Um, so, sounds like you had an amazing uh, time last week. That's fantastic. But I know that you're in the, the, the middle of a, a series that's, uh, that's titled Guardians of the Galaxy, all to do with stewardship and management. So, we're going to get right back uh, into that uh, this morning. So, today's message title is... How can giving be so disorganized? No, no, it's not. It's called... <laughs> I'm only kidding you. I know it happens. How can giving be worship? And the scripture that, that uh, we have to go with that title is from Psalm 96 and verse 8. It says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory of Due his name. Bring an offering and enter his courts. You never come into the Lord's courts without an offering. In the Old Testament, you never approach the courts of the Lord without something to bring. How can giving be worship? Well, let's first consider what is worship because sometimes we have very narrow definitions. of worship. Worship is not slow and gentle singing. Worship isn't, here I am to worship. No, that's not. That's just one very small expression of worship. Um, If we go back to the first mention of the word worship in the Bible, you'll find it in a quite an extraordinary place in in Genesis chapter 22, uh, where God calls Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And he has uh, taken his servants and the donkeys and all of the entourage up to a certain point. And he sees the place that God has told him about afar off. And he says to his servants, you wait here and I and the boy are going to go and worship. And that's the first time that we hear of that word, worship, in the Bible. So that's an extraordinary thing, because Abraham didn't have any music. And I'm sure there wasn't any music going on in his heart. But that that verse defines what worship is. It's all about submission. It's all about obedience. It's all about sacrifice. Um, It's acceptance of what God says. It's acquiescence to that. It's agreeing with that. It's submitting to that. And then it's obeying it. Whenever God says something to you, whenever God calls you, whenever God puts a demand on your life and you say, yes, Lord, and you do it, that's worship. And God seeks those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. I accept it. I agree with it. I do it. That's worship. For Abraham, it involved something really precious, his own son. and It involved a knife and a fire 
An offering always costs. Otherwise, it's not an offering. David said, I will not offer to the Lord that which cost me nothing. He says, I'll pay the full price for it. And you know, Jesus gave short shrift to those who, who gave a, a good amount out of their abundance. You remember in the temple, there were all of the people giving their, their, their gifts quite ostentatiously and, and, and letting people know about it. Uh, and then there was this old lady who came in and she had barely anything. And, and there were disdainful looks at the small amount that she was putting in. But Jesus says, no, those who gave a lot, they gave out of their abundance and they still have plenty left. It didn't cost them a great deal to give, but it cost this woman everything that she had. That's worship. She sacrificed the precious little that she had. I don't know whether you are familiar with the name of, of David Yonggi Cho. It used to be called Paul Yonggi Cho. Uh, he was a, a pastor in, in South Korea, still is a pastor in South Korea, um, in Seoul. And he built up what was at the time, I guess in the early 90s, the, the, the largest church in the world and gathered a great deal of, of fame for that. But when he was beginning his church, uh, and just had a small building, many of his church members were, were poor. Not all of them, but some of them were, were very poor. And uh, he needed funds because the, 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 the people were growing. They were out, out uh, growing the building space that they had. So they needed funds for a new church building. Um, and people gave, and they gave sacrificially. To this extent, one, one woman who had uh, very beautiful long hair, she had her hair all cut off so that she could take it to, to a wig shop and sell that hair and give the money to the church building fund. And uh, another old woman at, uh, at a special uh, offering, she, she came to Yonggi Cho during this offering and she had no money at all. All she had was her rice bowl and her spoon. That was all that she possessed. And she brought this rice bowl and spoon into the collection. And Yonggi Cho says, I can't take that. How can I possibly take that? How are you going to eat without your bowl and spoon? The woman says, well, I'll just use a board and I'll use my fingers. And seeing this, a wealthy businessman in the congregation who was so convicted that he said, I will give you $12,000 for your rice bowl and spoon. And the whole thing just took off. Because when you see real giving, sacrificial giving, giving that costs, it does something. And when I hear testimonies like that, I think, wow, that is the difference between tradition and revelation. Um, these are people who really know the Lord, really love the Lord. This is really not about money or offerings. It's about worship. It's about the greatness of God who reveals himself to people in such a way that their whole life is transformed. They're people who've received much. How could that woman say, I'm going to give you the very little that I have? Oh, she could only say that if, if God, if Jesus meant so much to her. Surely a building in bricks and mortar can't mean that much to you. But if God means that much to you, and Jesus means that much to you, and, and you just want to do anything that will exalt and magnify the Lord, then that's a worshipping people. That's a people who, who have had revelation. People who have received much, and therefore they love much. That woman's offering was worship. 
Just like the other woman in the Bible, who, who in the Gospels, who anointed Jesus' feet with, with her, uh, this expensive uh, perfume and, and was condemned by the disciples who thought it was out of order, who thought it was a waste, who thought it was over the top, who thought it was excessive. But Jesus rebuked them because they were thinking out of tradition. But that woman was offering what she was offering out of revelation. This was Jesus. She would give everything that she had. She wasn't thinking about the cost. She wasn't counting the cost. This was Jesus, and she loved him so much. And that's why she was doing it. And Jesus rebuked the disciples because he recognized costly worship. Tradition versus revelation. Where do you stand when, when the offering bag comes round and when you're thinking what you're going to give? And, and, and Is it out of obligation? Is it out of duty? Is it what I ought to do? Is it, or is it coming out of a heart of love that says, Jesus, if you ask me for anything, I would give it. How can giving be worship? How do we worship with our finances? Well, I'm not a financial advisor, but I think that God is. I think that if you look in Old Testament and New Testament, you'll find a lot of financial advice. And I think you'll find an awful lot in the Bible about management. Uh, and this series, obviously, is all about stewardship and management. I would go as far as to say that in one way you could say the Christian life is all about management. It's all about how you steward and manage things. And the thing about management is that manage, managers do not ever manage what is their own. You always manage what is owned by somebody else for them, whether you're a hedge fund manager or a football manager or, or whatever it is. So that's the first point. Nothing you have is yours. There isn't anything. You thought up to this point, right up to this minute, you thought that you own things. I'm here to tell you you don't. There's nothing that you actually own. It's all on loan. It's all a gift of God. And God has loaned it to you to see how you're going to handle it. In Luke chapter 16, verse 12, Jesus says, if you have not proved yourself faithful with that which is not yours, how can you be faithful with that which is not yours? You're faithful with the things that is everything that you have. None of it is yours, but you have the opportunity in this life to be faithful with it. If you have not proved yourself faithful with, with that which is not yours, who will give you things of your own? One day you're going to receive things of your own. But right up to this point, that hasn't happened yet. You're in stewardship, not in ownership. You're in management, not in ownership. Now, what is yours you have to be extra careful with? See the car on the screen there. I drive my little car. It's not that one. I drive my car and I try to drive it carefully. But yet, let's say that you own a car like that. And you say to me, Pastor Alex, I just loved your preaching this morning. Listen, I'm going away on holiday for two weeks. I'd like you to drive my car for the next two weeks. I, I receive that amen. Um, I might jump at the chance. But on the other hand... I'm going to drive that car super carefully because it's not mine. In fact, I might be super scared and just leave your car in the garage. <laughs> like the one talent man 
who got super scared of having so much money put into his hands and thought he would be best to garage the money. But that's not what the master wanted. And I think if you did lend me your car, I might, you might be a bit disappointed that I'd never taken it out of the garage. What the master wanted, we'll get on to in a minute. Let, let's talk about money. Let's talk about financial giving. Let's talk about tithing. Can we talk? Good. Amen. Tithing. Tithing was a 10% tax uh, imposed on the Israelites, to, which enabled the priests and the Levites, who were the tribe that was separated to God. They couldn't work in any other um, employment apart from the service of the Lord. Tithing did exist before the law of Moses. It was one form of giving. The other form of giving was sacrifice, which could be animals, birds, grain, food, wine, all, all, all sorts of different things. Some Christians dismiss tithing, as, uh, dismiss tithing as being Old Testament, so therefore we're not obliged to do it. Uh, it was part of the law. We're, we're, we're freed from the demands of the law, so on and so forth. But in the, in the New Testament, you'll always notice that when Jesus refers back to the law and then he says what he's looking for, he always increases the demands of the law. He says, you know, you've heard it said, don't kill. But I'm saying to you, not just don't kill, I'm saying don't even get angry with someone. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I'm saying to you, don't even look lustfully at someone. I, you've heard it said, you've heard what the law said. Well, I'm ramping it up. I'm increasing it. So in, in terms of giving, 10%, surely that's a minimum. Surely that's a minimum. And, and if we are not our own and we are bought with a price... Well, everything we have belongs to God, and everything is His. I think one reason why people may find it difficult to give is because they think they own their money. Uh, we, we do, don't we? We just naturally think, well, that's mine. I earned it. I worked hard for it. It's mine. Um, but you don't. You just manage the money that has been put in to your hands because of the gifts the talents the intelligence whatever it is that you've been given you are enabled to earn a certain amount of money and that has been that all of those gifts came from the lord as well so it's god's money god owns it but he doesn't control it you control it you manage it god's an investor did you know that god is an investor He's left you to manage things, and he's given you clear guidance and principles. If you look at the parable of the talents, you'll know that God is an investor. He says, I'm giving this to you because I believe that you are people who could take good care of this money. You can multiply it. You can bring me more than I put in. That's God's expectation of you. Wow. And... He's, he's given you clear guidance. He's given you clear principles about how to manage that money successfully. The basic principle is give and it will be given to you. It's very simple. And that's just not just a financial pr principle. It spills over into all sorts of areas. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Don't judge and you won't be judged. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And God will do to you 
as you have done to others. It's all over the Bible, the same reciprocal thing going on, the same principle. God is an investor. And, and in the parable, there's a, there are two parables that are similar in the Gospels. There's the parable of the talents, and then in Luke's Gospel, there's the parable of the miners, or, or pounds, or silver coins, or gold coins, that it, it's referred to in all sorts of different ways. Uh, and he says at one uh, point, because each person has been given um, a certain amount of coins, I think in this parable they were all given one silver coin, and one person made ten pounds out of the silver, uh, ten, ten more coins out of the silver coin. Let's call them miners. I'm, getting, I'm confusing myself now. He gave them one miner each. One person made ten miners. Another made five miners. Another didn't make anything. He just made the, had, had the one miner and returned it. And, G, and, and the, the master in the parable says, take the miner away from the one who, who only has one and give it to the one who has ten. And the, the, the people around says, what? He's already got ten. Has he not got enough already? And it seems unfair and it seems unkind until we realize that this is not a parable about equality. It's not a parable about mercy. It's not a parable about fairness. It's a parable about investment. Now, any sensible investor is going to look to the person and say, wow, that guy has made 10 pounds out of my one pound. What am I going to do with the guy who's made nothing out of my one pound? I'm going to say, please give it back quick. And who am I going to give it to? I'm going to give it to the guy who made ten. Sensible. Now, it's not about that guy with ten being rich or about the, the guy who had one losing his one. It's about the investor. It's about thinking sensibly. It's about the managing. What kind of manager are you going to be with, with what God has given you? Because that's what it's all about. Uh, I'm going to rush on because time is short. Another reason why so many people find it difficult to give is because they also find it difficult to worship. How can giving be worship, we were asking. Well, the, the two things are intimately connected. And if you really understand about worship in the way that we've been talking about, You'll, you'll have an understanding about giving. If you've got a worshipping heart, you'll have a giving heart. Because when you worship, you give, you let go, you don't keep hold of anything, not your reputation. I'm talking about singing now. I'm talking about when, when, when we express our worship through, through singing, through praise. We, 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 we don't let we, we don't hold on to anything. We don't hold on to our reputation. We don't hold on to our British reserve. I'm sure that any of you who were watching the England match yesterday did not hold on to your British reserve. I'm sure that when you were watching Colombia against England and we, we won on penalties with apologies to any Colombians or Swedes here in the congregation today, I'm sure you lost all your British reserve. Our family was all sat on the sofa one minute and then sort of, yes! That, because we're celebrating. There was abandonment because there's victory, there's triumph. In, in the air, a worshipping heart will give anything. Amen. It will give the last thing that you own. It will give your rice bowl and your spoon. Who cares? It's not about the things. It's about love. It's about gratitude. It's about worship to the God who gave everything to us. Um, 
One more point. Managing your money, or indeed managing your life, means that you've got to manage it. You can't let somebody else manage it for you. Um, either you're running your life or else somebody else is running it, right? If you don't manage your life, there are people watching you and waiting to take advantage of you, to capitalize on you. You know, when you go on the internet, all of the shops that you recently went to online, they will be there glaring you in, in, in the face, staring at you, saying, you remember you brought that from me two weeks ago? Here it is again. Here's something else sparkling and new from the same place for a reduced price. It's all there. It's all managed for you. People are waiting to try and take advantage of you. And, for example, on on just in financial terms, if your bank knows that you live on credit, if they, they are aware of that, then you are going to get lots of letters offering you loans. Every day there's going to be a new opportunity. The banks are happy if you have poor spending patterns. Now, because they can make money out of you. Now, their letters, the letters they write to you, make it sound like they want to solve your problem. We can help you. All you need to do is take out this loan. But actually, of course, it's in their interests to keep you exactly as you are, not to help you at all. Because they, if they help you out of living on credit, well, they're not going to make any money out of the interest that they're gaining every month from you, are they? You're very quiet today. I don't know whether I'm... Scratching where it itches. <laughs> it's in their interest to keep you exactly as you are. So you keep borrowing. They keep charging you interest. They're managing you very successfully. They make far more out of you than somebody who always pays their credit card on, bill on time every month. To, to those people who pay every day, the, the, it's a waste of time. I'm, I'm pretty good with that because I hate being in debt that way. I might have all sorts of other problems, but, but that one, the bank hates me. Because they're, they're constantly thinking, is there anything we can do? Is there anything we can do to try to entice you in? No, 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 I'm fine, thank you. It's a really a waste of their time and money and space offering me a card in, the, in a credit card in the first place. Because I never use the blooming thing. People will market your weakness. Don't let other people manage you. Okay, last point. When God gives you money for, for, for houses, uh, or when God gives you, I don't know, it could be, God gives you a house, God gives you a car, God gives you children, God gives you health. We, we, could, we could stretch it to, to anything. He is establishing trust. Maybe just bring that last slide up for me. It's not about money. It's bigger than that. It's about trust. It's about Management. It's about your future and what God has in store for you. See, God is watching every moment. He's, he's looking for the response of your heart. He's looking for a response of worship. He's looking for, for something that tells him about you. It's about what God has for you in the future. God has a load of stuff in store for every one of you potentially. But whether those things happen is all going to depend on how much trust is established between you and the Lord. Now, that's a challenge, and I'm going to just leave you with that, that challenge. How much can you trust God? 
How much does God trust you? How much God can trust you with is measured by how much you're willing to trust him. And how much you trust him is shown by how much you obey him. So trust, obedience, giving, worship, they're all absolutely tied in with one another. They're all interrelated. When you trust, you obey. When you worship, you give. When you give, you trust. When you trust, you give. It's all absolutely tied in. So, has that giving heart got into you? Has the love of God touched you so much that you have to respond lavishly, generously, wholeheartedly, even recklessly? Is that how much God means to you? Is tradition or revelation running your life? Tradition says, I should give, I ought to, I, I should put the money in the offering. That's, that's the rules, that's the regulations, that's what everybody does, that's my obligation. That's what I ought to do. But Revelation says, God, you love me so much. You gave yourself. God so loved the world, loved the world so much that he gave God, you gave yourself for me. You gave your son, Jesus Christ. He gave everything. He gave his life. And here I am. I have eternal life. Here I am. Saved. Here I am. Free. Here I am walking into heaven. Here I am with everything that you've entrusted me. Here I am to worship. Here I am to give. All I am is yours. All I have is yours. Nothing I have is my own. It's all your gift. It's all on loan to me. If that's in your heart, then you're one of those who the Lord says he's seeking those who worship him in spirit and in truth. When you give yourself, you're giving. Really what is the only reasonable thing that you can do? Doesn't Paul say, I beseech you to present your bodies a living sacrifice, whole, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And if you are just touched by something that you've heard today and you don't really fully understand it, but you think, you know, I want to do that. I want to give myself to God. If you want to recommit yourself in, in a full way, I and, and the rest of the leadership team will be more than happy uh, to pray with you. So take those words away and let's be a people with a worshipping heart. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.